following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Okay, I think this music stand is going to be an act of faith here. It's a little wobbly. I hope it holds up. All right, good morning, welcome, Merry Christmas. You can actually say that now because it's, you know, it's, it's December, so. <clears throat> We're going to look uh, at a, uh, kind of some random, um, and, and well, actually we're going to look at all the, all the passages relating to Christmas this morning. Well, that's not quite true. We're going to look at some scripture from both Matthew and Luke. Uh, and I've titled this message, Christmas Miracles. Uh, so we'll start, though, by reading uh, for our scripture for this morning from Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Uh, later, we'll actually also look a little bit at um, Luke, but we'll start with Matthew. So I kind of get some space for myself here, so I don't knock things over. Matthew 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. <clears throat> um, Tom, I'm getting some kind of crazy ringing up here. I'm not quite sure why, but... <clears throat> yeah, I think he's got everything killed but this. That's, that's a little better, I think. Um, we're talking about Christmas miracles, and I don't know what you think about miracles, um, but chances are, if you're here in church, uh, at some level, you probably do believe in miracles, I hope. Uh, and actually, um, 
if you're from the West, a recent survey uh, from the United States re- revealed that 80% of Americans believe in, in miracles, uh, which is not all that surprising. But what I found in a similar survey that was very surprising, another study indicated that 73% of, of doctors, physicians, medical doctors, also believe in miracles. And 55% claim to have personally witnessed treatment results they consider miraculous. And that's very interesting. Um, and, uh, but for me, actually not surprising. And uh, I, I have friends who have, who have experienced that kind of miraculous healing. Right? Um, but maybe a more relevant question for us is not just do we believe in miracles, but have you ever experienced one? Have you ever experienced a miracle in your own life? Uh, if miracles happen, um, should we expect them to be part of our life? Or do we oftentimes maybe have the idea that, well, miracles were kind of a biblical thing, right? Like in the old, old, old days back in Jesus' time, certainly miracles happened. But God just doesn't do that sort of thing anymore. And uh, certainly coming from uh, kind of more scientific backgrounds where our our minds have been in some ways preconditioned against miracles. Uh, we may think that, um, as many, actually many theologians would say, well, even the miracles in the Bible are really not all that miraculous. Right? They're, not, they're not anything supernatural. They're just very coincidental natural occurrences. Right? And that's uh, how many people will talk about it. In fact, uh, we talk about Christmas and we will be looking at the virgin birth. And it's amazing how many uh, so-called theologians, people who <laughs> profess to actually believe the Bible, um, don't believe that the virgin birth is even possible, that that miracle was uh, not really a miracle. <clears throat> um, so, so if miracles really do happen, and they happen in our life, or if they happen in the, old, in the Bible, should we look for them in our life? Right? Should we expect it, or is it just a unique thing that God did once a long time ago it's not really relevant for us. Um, it's interesting as we look at the Christmas story, and we're going to look in both Matthew and Luke because we're going to look at a lot of the story this morning in bits and pieces. Uh, it is full of miracles. Uh, many, um, what we will see, as supernatural events. Um, and, and I really believe, uh, and I would not be alone on this, that probably the greatest miracle of all time uh, is actually uh, Jesus' birth. Uh, and specifically not so much his birth as, as the miracle of the incarnation, that the God who created the universe uh, came from beyond, outside the universe, and entered it when he uh, took on human flesh. And in the person, in the body, in the birth of that baby Jesus, there was united together a fully human nature and a fully God nature, God being, in the person of Jesus arguably the greatest miracle of all time and, and really the great miracle of history. All of the Old Testament pointed to this event and uh, all the other miracles in the New Testament are made possible because of the miracle of the Incarnation. And even though um, things like Jesus walking on water were, was a spectacular miracle, feeding the 5,000 uh, with uh, a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread was a, a, a remarkable miracle. And certainly, you know, at the top has got to be the resurrection, coming back to life from the dead, certainly a, a big miracle. But 
on top of all those, I really believe that we can make a case, and we will kind of more next Sunday, for why the incarnation is really the great miracle of the Bible. Um, so all these, uh, uh, so, so that, that's the great miracle. But around Jesus' birth, around the incarnation, are also a number of other miracles uh, that, that we will see um, that call attention to the uniqueness of his birth. Uh, angels appear to Joseph and Mary. Uh, Mary's elderly aunt Elizabeth uh, gets pregnant far beyond the age of childbearing, certainly uh, uh, what would appear to be a miraculous event. Angels lighting up the, the night sky and revealing and announcing to the shepherds uh, Jesus' birth. I don't know about you, but I've stared up into the night sky for many, many, many hours, never had angels show up in the middle of it and announcing and declare and singing to me the hallelujah chorus right? or whatever it was they sang. Um, all these miracles, right? A star leading the Magi, the wise men, to the very exact spot, the very house where Joseph and Mary were with the baby Jesus. Right? So it raises the question for us. Uh, I mean, that's all nice and well, but what, what is the purpose of all these miracles uh, in, 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 in Jesus' story? Um, are they... And, the bigger question is, are they, are they unique to that specific event? Right? Are they just about Jesus? Or does it really tell us something more about miracles in general as they relate to us and our own life? Uh, do they speak to us about the possibility or even the expectation of miracles in our own life? Um, I believe, and I, I hope to show this morning, that, that the life of faith, a life with Jesus and following him, a life of seeking to know him is by its very nature necessarily a miraculous life. Uh, and in fact, that, that you can't really know God and you can't really uh, have a relationship with him apart from experiencing very clear and specific miracles in your own life. Now you may say, whoa, 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 buddy, wait a minute. I don't remember ever experiencing a miracle. I tried that whole walking thing on wa- walking on water thing, and you know, I almost drowned. Right? Uh, I, I, I've never been raised from the dead. Right? Uh, maybe you've never uh, prayed and received miraculous healing. Maybe you have, uh, but maybe you would say, "I don't think uh, that's fair because I've never experienced a miracle once in my whole life." How can you say that? Well, I hope by the end of this uh, message, uh, you will think differently about miracles, and you will see differently. Uh, the possibility and perhaps even the reality of miracles that have been happening in your very life, uh, but maybe you just weren't aware of or consciously uh, acknowledging. Um, and, and I hope we'll also see why they are indeed essential for any true walk with God or encounter of God. So let's look at Christmas miracles and see how it can help us understand miracles in our own life. Uh, what about miracles? What exactly is a miracle? And one of the problems we have as we come to the topic of miracles is how we define what a miracle is. And that's part of the place where we get ourselves in trouble and why perhaps we think we've never actually experienced one. Uh, because oftentimes when we think of a miracle, we think of things that are spectacular, extraordinary, things that are far beyond what's considered normal. And, so, uh, and, and certainly miracles oftentimes have that, that characteristic. Uh, clearly, Jesus walking on water was spectacular. And I would love to have seen that, right? Because um, it just doesn't happen, right? It's, it's, it is 
uh, an extremely unique event. Uh, it is unusual to the extreme, right? Um, raising somebody from the dead. You know, I, I've heard accounts of it. I've never seen it personally. Um, it's an extraordinary thing. And so oftentimes we think that um, a miracle by necessity is something that's extraordinary or spectacular. Um, but, but actually that's, that, that's kind of a misunderstanding of what a miracle is. And the reality is that there's a lot of things in life that are extraordinary and spectacular and even incredibly rare that are, are not, by definition, miraculous. Uh, some scholars believe that, that the wise men, that what they saw in the sky, and we don't really know what they saw. The Bible doesn't say. It just says they saw stars lining up. So we don't know if they saw stars or planets or p- potentially even a comet that appeared. Uh, but it meant something to them. And uh, comets can be extremely rare. And, of course, we know of things like Halley's Comet comes every 75 years or so. Pretty rare event. If you're lucky, you may live long enough, and if you line it up right, to see Halley's Comet twice in your life. Uh, But does anybody remember, uh, old enough and alive, in 1997, any of you? Okay, some of you, you're you're checked off, or you were so little, right? But for some of us, 1997 was like, oh, yeah, I was already 50. Uh, So, depends on how old you are. 1997, you remember what happened in 1997? The great, you remember this? The great comet of 1997, Hale-Bopp. You guys remember Hale-Bopp? Right? Uh, extraordinary event that came. It was, a, it was a comet that came and it was actually visible, passed by the earth in, in 1997, and was visible to the naked eye for 18 months. So any of you remember seeing Hale-Bopp? It was there for 18 months. How did you miss it? What were you doing? Wow. Yeah, 18 months, and, and I remember seeing it, right? Well, if you, if you missed it, or if the 18 months was not enough time for you, and you failed to go outside and look, um, the sad news, you're going to have to wait about 4,000 years for it to come back. So, sorry, you missed it, right? Extremely rare, right? Once every 4,000 years. And the thing that was extraordinary about this comet is that it's a thou- it was 1,000 times brighter than Halley's Comet. Okay, very bright, very visible. If you missed it, I don't know what you were doing, right? Um, so, so the fact that it was um, rare, extraordinary, spectacular, doesn't necessarily make it a miracle because it was a very naturally occurring event. And even though we can't, uh, we can't know the exact date, we can, scientists can estimate within reason that it will come back in about 4,000 years. None of us will live to verify that, but... Uh, it's, it's a natural event, right? So it's not, it's not miraculous, even though it's extraordinary and spectacular. Um, so, um, so then we could say, well, well, what makes something miraculous is that it's extremely unnatural. Like a comet is part of nature, and so it's not unnatural in its occurring. So, of course, it's not a miracle. What we mean, we might say, by a miracle is something that is unnatural. So... For those 55% of the doctors who, who said that they had witnessed uh, miracles in their treatment of patients, what they were saying is they saw something that could not be explained by natural causes, that both the time or, or the way uh, their patient was healed couldn't be accounted for by the natural expectation of, of their medical treatment, right? It was unnatural. Um, so, uh, and certainly, uh, many miracles are very, would appear to be very unnatural, and maybe even contradicting at some level nature. 
So, of course, again, Jesus walking on water, it, it was very unnatural. And if you don't, if you don't believe this, like I know, because I've done this, I know some of you have done this. You've tried this, right? You've tried this walking on a water thing. And you learn how quickly how nature, like I thought maybe I could get, like I, like I never dreamed I could take like 10 steps. But I thought I could get at least one or two, right? Well, it's incredible how even one is impossible. Like you think if I go fast enough, I'm going to, you know, no, I'm in the first step. You sink. Boom, you're down. Um, that's nature. And so there's something very unnatural about it. Uh, so maybe we could use that as a definition, something that is extremely unnatural. Um, but, but actually, many miracles that we, we would consider, and we'll see as we define in a minute, as, as miraculous, are actually quite in sync with nature. They are actually quite natural. Uh, and one of those uh, would be the stars that led the Magi. Right? The star uh, lined up in the heavens, and there was nothing unnatural about it. In fact, everybody else looking up in the sky on any given night when the Magi saw what they saw would have seen the same thing. And they wouldn't have been struck by, oh, you know, there's, there's a mail message, email message in the sky up there. No, they just would have seen stars. Right? But there's something, and we'll see in a minute, that was uh, different for what the Magi saw. But it was very natural. It was nothing uh, outside of the ordinary. And actually, even the, the virgin birth of Jesus was, was mostly natural. Um, now, of course, uh, one piece of it was not natural, and that is that Mary didn't get pregnant through sexual intercourse with a guy. Right? It says that it came about that the, she conceived by means of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't say that she um, you know, woke up in day and there was a, a stork with a bag on her porch bringing her a baby. Right? That would be weird, uh, even though like, that's what I believed for a long time. Um, no, it happened naturally. It happened by the Holy Spirit, but it happened very naturally. In fact, it was so natural that Joseph thought she had uh, slept with another guy. Right? So natural that everybody else observing the story, except for perhaps Mary and Joseph and maybe some few close friends, just saw a pregnant teenager, pregnant young lady, who's about to have a baby. And she had that baby very naturally, just like any other woman who's carried a child for nine months and delivered a baby. It was extremely natural. And, and nobody, uh, people didn't flock to see Jesus when he was born because it was so strange, so unnatural. Uh, but it was extremely miraculous. Right? So, so, so uh, a miracle isn't just something that's spectacular. It's not just something that's unnatural. So what is a miracle then? Well, uh, I'm not smart enough to be able to come up with definitions like this, so I had to borrow from other people. So I'm going to borrow from C.S. Lewis because he's way smarter than probably most of us. And this is what he says a miracle is, and I like his definition. C.S. Lewis says, I use the word miracle to mean an interference with nature by supernatural power. Okay, an interference with nature by supernatural power. Okay, that's a miracle. So, to really understand his definition, we have to understand a couple of things. First of all, what nature is, and then what sup- supernatural is. Um, uh, what he's saying here is that God directs things to happen that would have not happened naturally, that is, on their own given to the course of nature doing its own thing. Right? Nature, uh, as, as he's using the word, as we would understand it, is what's natural to the universe. 
what the universe does on its own when left to its own power uh, of its own accord. Right? So gravity happens naturally. Right? And it happens to all of us equally, and there's not much we can do about it. Uh, every day it's pulling me downward, right? And it's making me get older, and I'm, I don't really like that very much. But that's that's the, that's the natural order of things. Uh, um, if you're exposed to certain kinds of germs that you have not built up an immunity to, uh, you you get sick, right? And we don't like that. That is nature taking its course, uh, and your body also is brilliantly enabled to fight against those germs. So when you get sick, we don't see it, but deep inside us, this war goes on where your white blood cells marshal their troops and they go after those germs and they get them and they destroy them. And eventually it may take you a few days or, Lord forbid, not a few weeks. It kills off those germs and you win and you're restored to good health. And one great benefit that happens naturally is that you build up in that process an immunity to that specific germ. Your cells code... So that next time that germ invades your body, it knows right away that's the enemy. And it goes after it. And you will never get that, most likely get that specific strain of germ again. Because your body beats it. That's the natural course of action. That's nature doing its thing. And of course, science has learned how to uh, take nature and use nature against nature. So certain kinds of infections are very effectively treated by antibiotics. Okay, now, antibiotics are not magic. Okay, when antibiotics uh, enter our body, it's not doing something very unnatural. Uh, it's doing something very natural. Uh, it's just working nature against nature to kill off that infection. Um, and, and nobody thinks of it as being magic, right? As something that came from outside this universe. Uh, medicine does not invoke some power outside the physical universe to act upon those germs or that infection or that cancer. But that's exactly what we mean by supernatural. Okay, something that is supernatural means it's outside super. It's above nature. Right? There's a na- natural order of things. So when we talk about something supernatural, we mean it comes from outside beyond the scope of this universe. And that would be God. We believe that God created the universe, but he's separate from it. Right? He's not locked up in creation. He's not limited to this universe like we are. He's outside of it. And every once in a while, God chooses, uh, according to his purpose and plan, to invade this universe in a way that he intervenes uh, from beyond the natural course of events to work out his will and his plan. And we see that uh, often with... Uh, uh, within the story of, of Christmas, right? Jesus, uh, God comes in to mess with nature. So Mary gets pregnant uh, by the power, by the intervention of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's God intervening into a very natural process, but he makes it happen in a very supernatural way, right? So that she is pregnant without ever having been with the man. She's a virgin. And Jesus is unique in all those people who have ever been born. Um, uh, and, and that really is uh, the miracle of Christmas, as we said. Um, God interfering with nature. Okay, so does that make a good... You guys, you're with me on this? I hope you know. This is a lot of philosophy, and I'm sorry we have to start with the definition. That's always dangerous. But you get the idea that a miracle is not just something spectacular or unnatural, but it's something that God has done, right? that where God has somehow intervened or interfered, as C.S. Lewis said, 
with the natural order of things. All right, so what does this all have to do with, with us? Well, in addition to the uh, birth of Jesus, which was very miraculous, and we're going to look next week at the miracle of the incarnation, the miracle actually of, of Jesus' birth. But uh, I want to look to the, this morning more at a different kind of miracle. And if you notice in the Christmas story, there are a lot of angels showing up, right? Uh, angels would be supernatural, Right? There's nothing created or earthly or this universe that pertains to an angel. It is uh, a spirit being that uh, is not subject to the laws of gravity or time or space as we know them. It's outside the scope of this universe. Um, but we find uh, angels and other messengers showing up often in the Christmas story. And I believe that these are examples of what I would call um, the miracle of revelation. Miracle of Revelation. God wants to speak to people. And to do this, he has to invade the natural order of things to communicate to us, to people in the story, uh, his truth and his purpose and his plan. So we see it, uh, for example, uh, when, when the angel appears to Joseph uh, and also to, to, to Mary. Um, uh, had the angel, as Mike shared last Sunday, had the angel not shown up, um, what Joseph would have understood about Mary's pregnancy was the nature of it. You know, you're pregnant, and, and I only know of one way to get pregnant, and that's to be with a man. And I know it wasn't me, because I wasn't there, Joseph was thinking. So the only way Mary could have got pregnant in his thinking was to have been unfaithful to him, his betrothed, and to have been uh, with a, ma- a man. But... But God intervenes and sends an angel to him, it says, in his, in his sleep. And the angel says to him, um, don't fear. Uh, let me read it. Um, her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Right? So an angel appears and he speaks to her. That's supernatural. Okay? That's miraculous. Right? God is intervening in this situation in a unique way, supernaturally, to reveal to Joseph what God has done. Um, we see it in, uh, in, Elizabeth, in the story with Elizabeth. Uh, it was revealed to her that she would be with child even though she was very old. And that also came from an angel who spoke that word to her husband, Zechariah. And we'll look at that story in a minute. Um, Let's take the Magi, though, because the Magi is the most fascinating one for me. What the Magi saw was a very natural phenomenon. And again, we don't know exactly what they saw, but somehow they, they watched the stars, and it meant something to them. And as they looked at the stars, uh, they came out with this, this information. A king is born on a specific date, a specific time, in Israel, in Palestine, and his, his throne would be the, one of the greatest kingdoms of the, of the world, so much so that they decided they needed to travel a very great distance, hundreds of miles, took them months, and present to this baby in, uh, gifts of incredible value and worth, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Right? Uh, now, I was, up, I was last night looking at the stars trying to find a comet that I couldn't find that's supposed to be visible that's not, and I want my money back, actually, because 
didn't work out that way. But I was looking at the stars, and you know, I'm looking at the stars, and I'm seeing Orion and, and some of the constellations, and you know, they just didn't speak that kind of information to me. Um, now, some people think it does, and uh, you know, there's people who believe in astrology, and they believe that these stars do align in planets, and that they tell us stuff. And uh, but but when you read what they say, it tells us it's kind of, I think, silly. Okay, if you believe in astrology, I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you, you're silly too, okay? Uh, like, here's one. Right, here's one. For me, this is for my, whatever you call it, my reading for the day. December 20 and December 21 are lucky days for you. Search and uh, send out resumes if you are job hunting. Turn on the charm in interviews and meetings. Okay, like, if these people knew me, they would knew that I have no charm. <laughs> like, like... Charm is never something people use to describe me, ever. Right? Also, Mercury conjoins lucky Jupiter with perhaps a second chance that stems from an early November connection. The conditions have changed. On the 24th, Mercury squares Neptune. The dissolver breaks down barriers should they stand in your way. Got that? So I know what to do now. I dissolve Mercury and Jupiter and I break down something, right? Not a lot of specific detail here, right? And that's kind of the nature of what people try to do when they look at the stars on their own wisdom or own craziness and try to get something out of it. It's mostly nonsense, right? But the Magi got something much different. They got very exact, specific information. And the amazing thing is after they traveled hundreds of miles and months and months, they found exactly what the stars told them. How is that possible? Well, it's possible because God revealed something to them through those events. Right? And of course, we see later on in the story that uh, he revealed also through Scripture, through his word, and through even yet uh, a more specific leading by a very special star that wasn't what they saw originally. We'll see in a minute. All right, so... so um, all this to say that I believe revelation, uh, all revelation from God is miraculous. The reason I say that is because it is God always, always when God is revealing himself, when he's communicating, when he is speaking, he is coming from outside of the universe, outside of creation. And he comes and he speaks his message and his instructions and his direction, and he reveals himself to those who are paying attention to those whom he chooses. Uh, and as we see in these stories, God initiates it. Right? Um, Joseph wasn't praying to God, going, God, you know, my wife, my fiance is pregnant, I don't know what to do. Right? We see, we see Joseph taking his own plan of action, and God invades the situation and turns it right, through his revelation. Um, imagine they're minding their own business, and God invades their lives with specific information that changes what they do and how they act and how they live and understand. Right? Uh, all revelation from God is miraculous. Right? And this is where it starts to affect us. Um, and and, and let, let's look at two things from the Christmas stories real briefly. Two specific or significant things about our own lives when we think about this miracle of God's revelation to us. Real briefly, I just want to look at two quick glimpses of the Christmas story to help us understand God's revelation to us. Uh, Let's go over to uh, Luke, if you have your Bibles and you want to look there. Luke chapter 1. 
Now, this is uh, one of the funniest stories, I think, in all of the Bible. And uh, my, my kind of point here is don't miss the miracle of Revelation. One of the problems for us is that we, tend, we can easily take God's revelation for granted. We have the Bible, and we read the Bible, and we know at some level that the Bible, we call it God's special revelation. And we look around at creation, and we see the beauty of everything that's made, and we call it God's general revelation. And it's around us every day, and we read the Bible every day, and we understand the Bible, and we hear sermons, right? And we think to ourselves, well, there's nothing special or unique about all of this because it's very ordinary. It's not spectacular. Like, I don't have angels usually appearing to me in dreams. In fact, I never have. Uh, I've never come to church and had an angel show up in blazing light, right? Like I said. And so I read the Bible and there's nothing, I don't, I don't hear things. There's no fireworks going off. There's nothing spectacular about it. And we can be lulled into this thinking that there's nothing particularly special about Revelation. There's nothing particularly extraordinary about me reading this book and God speaking to me. And it's dangerous to think that way, right? Because when we do that, we will miss the power that God's revelation intends to have in our life. And a great example of this is Zechariah. Um, When we understand that revelation is miraculous, it will build our faith. It will build our faith. And there's a lot of scripture that can help back this up. But let me look at the story of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was a priest, and uh, he was the husband of, of, of Elizabeth, who became the parents of John the Baptist. Right? We know this story. And he was the forerunner to Christ. And he's the one who paved the way and proclaimed the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. Um, but it's, it's, I love how his birth takes place. It says that in those days... Um, uh, of Herod, so St. Mary is Jesus, king of Judea. There was a priest named Zechariah at the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all his commandments, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Advanced in years is a really nice way of saying it. These were like ancient as dirt. <laughs> yeah, they had been around a long time. They were old people, right? Old Right? And so it was, it was Zechariah's turn to present an offering at the temple. And so he got to go into the, into the holy place in the temple and go before the very holy of holies and offer uh, some incense and pray. Once in a lifetime opportunity. And if you know anything about the temple, the temple had one entrance and one door. It was one of the most guarded places in all of uh, the world at that time. Uh, guarded not because they were afraid people would escape, but because they were afraid people would break in to the holy place where God's presence dwelled. And so it was very difficult to get only one entrance, no doors, no windows. And so Zechariah goes in through the only entrance and he's in there and uh, poof, an angel appears to him. Boom, right there by the altar and starts speaking to him and tells him these prophecies about his wife having a baby. And uh, I love, after all this, and I won't read the whole thing, but but I love uh, Zechariah's response. It says in Zechariah, verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Right? Now get get this, okay? Angels just told him, your wife's going to have a baby. Okay, he's having a conversation with an angel. Right? Well, an angel who's telling him, you know, God sent me to tell you your wife's going to get pregnant. And Zechariah's like, I don't believe you. 
Like, really? You're talking to an angel. How could you not believe your wife's going to get pregnant? Right? And the angel is also kind of stunned by it. He says, um, but Gabriel answered him, I'm, a, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to you from heaven to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, I'll show you, I'll show you. You want to know, you, you want to know how? Here's how you'll know. From this moment forward, you're going to be unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. You see, uh, Zechariah failed to understand the, the magnitude of the miracle that was standing before him when God sent an angel and intervened in time and space and history by coming from outside the universe, far away, well, not as far away, but from another realm, from his kingdom, to, to, to the temple, and he spoke to Zechariah. Right? It was miraculous. And perhaps if, if Zechariah had really contemplated the weight and the significance of this miracle that he was experiencing, talking to Gabriel, the archangel, uh, his wife getting pregnant would have been a much easier thing to believe. Right? He wouldn't have been filled with doubt and suspicion. And the same is true for us. It's, it's vitally important that we recognize uh, the incredible miracle of God speaking to you. The reality is that if you are here and you know Jesus, you, you, you come to understand uh, who Christ is and, and that he came from God and that he died on the cross and all that that means for your salvation. I'm telling you, you did not come to that conclusion by your own wisdom or intelligence. It was revealed to you by God, and it's a miracle. So I can ask you again, have you any of you experienced the miracle? If you are here and you are in Christ, you have experienced an incredible miracle. Because all around us are people, many of whom have heard the same story over and over again. I remember uh, talking with a a guy who's a professor at, at Chiang Mai University, an American, Right? And he knew the gospel story inside out and backwards. And, and I shared the gospel with him. We talked about a lot of things. And he said, he said I wish I could believe it. Right? The only reason you believe it is because God has revealed its truthfulness to you in a way that he has not to the people around you. And it's an incredible miracle of God's supernatural power at work in your life. Right? And if he's done that, what more does he want to do for you? Right? What more is he able to do in your life? Right? There's another, another thing about uh, understanding the power and the miracle of, of Revelation that I want us to see. And this comes um, actually back from Matthew, uh, from the story of the, of the Magi. Um, and it is the truth that the miracle of Revelation always leads us to, uh, to Jesus. Right? The reason this miracle is so important is that it is the only way that we come to know and find and discover the person of Christ and who he really is. Um, uh, we know the, the, the story of the Magi. They, uh, they saw this revelation in, in the stars and, um, and they, were, they were led to Christ. So chapter 2, verse 1 of Matthew. After Jesus was born in, the, in, in Bethlehem in Judea, the days of Herod king, uh, uh, the king, behold, wise men, magi from the east, came to Jerusalem, uh, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, 
and I've come to worship him. Okay, again, there's a lot of stuff there that they could never have known just by looking at the stars. God revealed it to them. But they didn't know, they, they knew Judea, they, they knew Jerusalem, they knew Judea, they knew uh, he was somewhere in Palestine, but they didn't know the exact place. So they go to Herod, and, and they're sure that the great king of the Jews has been born. Surely Herod's aware of this, right? Surely Herod knows. So they go and they ask him, they knock on his door, King Herod, we're here from such and such a country, we're ambassadors bringing gifts looking for your newborn king. Um, how does Herod feel about this announcement? He's not happy, because as far as Herod's concerned, he's the only king that's necessary. Okay? And so he wants to find Jesus, but for very different reasons. He wants to find Jesus so that he can kill him. Um, so Herod doesn't know, so what does he do? He goes to the scholars, and he says, when, when Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, all the scribes and the, and the, the leaders and the priests, and, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes, the scholars of the people, he, Herod inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him. Now here's the amazing thing. They knew, and how did they know? They knew because of God's specific revelation. Back a long time ago, the prophets had written, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. But they knew because... Prophecy had been given. It had been recorded in the Old Testament. We can look, and look up that prophecy in the Old Testament. Right? But here's the sad reality. Even the Bible, right? even those prophecies of old, can, can be meaningless unless they are illumined, unless they are lit up supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Right? And, and they didn't get it. And the, the crazy thing is, all Israel, the chief priests, and here, here's the crazy thing. So here's these dudes who come from far away who were not Israelites to whom this prof, promise really actually meant very little or actually meant nothing, right? Uh, it was not their king. It was not their prophecies. It was not their Bible. And yet they were seeking this king. But those to whom the prophecy was made, those to whom this king was come and sent to rule, they missed it. Why? Because to them, the words of Scripture were just dead and empty ancient words. And they didn't understand that God is still speaking through Scripture. That His message wasn't just for a bunch of people who have died long ago, but it's for people here and now today. Right? And we were, we were in the same danger and risk of, of approaching the Bible in the same way of coming to it as a book that God spoke to people thousands of years ago and they wrote stuff down and God was revealing himself to them. But for me, I'm just reading somebody else's mail. Right? I'm just reading what God wrote to them. It has no relevance and God doesn't speak to me presently through his word. And what happens when we do that is we miss Jesus. Right? Jesus was, uh, Bethlehem is, is less than six miles from Jerusalem. Jesus, the Messiah, was that close. And they're like, yeah, he's born in Bethlehem. That's where he's supposed to be born. They didn't go look. They didn't inquire. They didn't even ask questions, right? Because it wasn't living revelation for them. Um, and we were in the same danger. Uh, if we don't see God's word and God speaking presently through Scripture, right? 
God is living, his word is living and active, it is not dead. And God speaks to us uh, now in very real and specific ways through his word. And I love, we won't read the rest of the story, but uh, the Magi, they were seeking and they took this word to heart and they went to Bethlehem. But something even more miraculous happened on the way. It says that they saw that the star appeared again, but this was not the same star that they saw originally. And it said that this star led them to the very house and stopped directly over the house where Mary and Joseph were. I don't know if you've ever looked up in the stars, but they're a long ways off. And the way it works, like if you go out and you find Orion and Orion's straight above you, you can be anywhere in the world, anywhere on the planet. And guess what? Orion's right over you. This was a special kind of star. And it was, I believe, additional revelation, and it was miraculous, right? It was a, a, an additional miracle that God directed them by a, a, a very near and present star to the exact place where Jesus was, 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 right? Because they took seriously the revelation they had, God gave them increased and more powerful revelation and further miracles. And, of course, we know that they, they found Jesus, and it says they entered in and they... Uh, <clears throat> After listening to the king, they went on their way and, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they star, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy because they, they understood God was revealing himself to them. He was leading them. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And that's the purpose of Revelation, to bring us to Jesus. That's why it's so important. And the miracle of it is so significant. It is the only way we will come to meet and know and, and, and understand who Jesus is. Um, let me just apply this with one uh, example out of my own life. I believe God speaks in miraculous ways, in supernatural ways through his word, and he wants to do that for you and I. And I have lots of examples, but one, and most of them aren't all that exciting. Uh, but here's one that I think is, is funny, if nothing else. Um, uh, this happened a number of years ago, and a, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on Psalm 50. And Psalm 50 is one of my favorite passages. And part of it is because I did encounter God speaking in a very real and specific way through that passage. And uh, at the heart of Psalms 50 is verse 14 and 15, where it says, uh, the psalmist says, and basically it's God saying, offer to God, offer to me a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And uh, 16 years ago now, I, I read that passage and God just spoke like an arrow, those words to me. And especially uh, the part about giving thanks. But this whole thing about call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Um, it wasn't just words. I mean, God made those words really come alive for me. And, and I just knew God was saying to me, call on me in the day of trouble and I'm going to help you. Um, and at the time, as I felt God impressing those words on me, I was about to take a trip to India to teach a group of pastors there. And I thought, oh, God wants me to teach this to these Indian pastors. So I got all excited about this passage and I heard this word from God and I was going to go and I was going to share with them this great truth that that when they met trouble and when things, difficulties came into their life, God was going to help them if they would just call on him. So I had my sermons all put together and I, my teaching, and I was going to blow these guys away with this great truth, right? So I get on the airplane and I fly to Kolkata 
that wonderful, lovely city that I hope I never have to go to again. Uh, if you've ever been there, you know it's just kind of a wretched place. And uh, back 16 years ago, two things you've got to know. 16 years ago, travel in India was much more difficult than it is now. Now, if you miss a flight, there's, there's other airlines, and I've, I've missed flights, and I, an hour later, I was able to catch another flight. Back then, there were, uh, there were no, none of these budget airlines, and so uh, if you missed a flight, you, you could be seriously, can I say the word screwed? Maybe I can't say that. Seriously messed up. So, um, so, I get to, uh, so my flight is delayed. I get into Kolkata late, and there's this massive line at immigration. And long story short, I miss my flight to the next, my, my final destination. And um, what that meant was uh, I couldn't just get on the plane and go back to, to Chiang Mai or to Bangkok because the flight happened once uh, every three days. So I'd have to wait three days. The next flight to my destination city was also in three days. So I'm kind of stuck. So I think, oh, no big deal. I'll just catch a train. Right? Little did I know that I happened to be arriving in Calcutta during this festival called Durga Puja. And if you know anything about it, it is insanity. It is just insanity. It makes Loik Ratong and Songkran seem like, like a Sunday picnic. I mean, it's crazy. And all the train offices were closed. And you could not buy a train ticket. All the trains were jam-packed full. Right? So that's the first thing I understand is travel is more difficult. Second thing you have to remember is that back then there was no smartphones, no Wi-Fi. I couldn't just like get on my phone and search, you know, a grab taxi <laughs> or whatever, right? I'm stuck there and I'm here at the airport and I've discovered that train offices are closed. There's no train tickets. I can't fly forward. I can't fly backward. And I started to kind of like panic. And I'm in a city where I don't know a single person and, uh, you know, Using, even using the payphone there was quite complicated back then. And I thought, what, am I going to just be living at the airport for the next week? Like, what do I do? Right? And then, like a thunderbolt, guess what words just scream through my head? Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> Like you were speaking to me. <laughs> oh, right. I remember sitting in the airport, it, it, it crazy crowded, uh, reading that verse going, oh, God, okay, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Help. Help. And amazingly, God, I don't want to go the rest of the story, God miraculously provided. I got on a train and I made it. And, and it really was a miracle, right? But that miracle came about because because God revealed himself to me right, through his word in a very real, clear, and specific way. And I believe, I believe that is God's heart. Right? He is a God who is speaking. Um, and he's speaking ultimately in Jesus. And that's why Jesus is the greatest miracle. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, we looked at this a lot last year, but long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Right? God wants to reveal Jesus to you and I. And, and that is the greatest, most incredible miracle of all. If you comprehend him, it is because of God's supernatural, miraculous messing with your life. Let's pray. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.